Hey everybody, welcome back to During Business Hours. My name's Christopher. Today I have Dustin with us from Geek Boy Repairs. How are you doing, Dustin? Good, how are you? Doing pretty good. Let's get her started. So where did you start? Like, were you always from Florida? No, um, I've moved around a lot as a kid. So I started in this industry when I was 12, and I took a small break while I was in the Air Force. Um, but really, I mean... Air Force. Yeah, yeah it, what a fun time, let me tell you. Yeah. Um, so, but uh, yeah, so just kind of all up and down the East Coast, really, um, all the way from up in Pennsylvania to Florida, and now it's where I'm at to Tampa or Clearwater area. So, how old were you when you joined the Air Force? Um, 18. See, I joined the Army at 17. I had to beg my parents. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, so where where were you stationed? Um, Lackland. Oh, nice. How long did you stay in? in? San Antonio, right where I just left. Oh, nice. <laughs> How long were you in the Air Force? Um, about two, two and a half years. I got it. I dislocated my rotator cuff. So they tried to rehab it and it wasn't rehabbing. So they're like, we're going to have to medical discharge you. I'm like, all right. So similar thing. So I'll go back to, to fixing stuff. <laughs> I was in uh, Korea as my first long duty station. And so I'd mm. already been in almost a year and a half with training. And I was there nine months and I literally lost my mind. Just depression. I had some things that happened in training. A buddy of mine killed himself. So I was reeling from issues of that. And it just overtook me as a almost 19 year old kid. It it just ruined the next three years of my life. Spiraled drugs, life, marriage, divorce. Um, It's a fun story. You should check it out on the channel. I mean, I... (laughs) I, I, can, I can see that definitely happening, especially in Korea. I mean, it, it, with going to a, a totally different country, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I could mentally be able to just like Korea, for instance, you know, nobody speaking English or except for certain spots on base, you know, it'd be yeah. that would that would be hard for me too. It, it was uh, we were on Camp Casey and uh, what they called CRC or Camp Red Cloud. And this is 2008. So, you know, right before the Pyeongchang, what is it, Pyeongchang's uh, missile accident. So a month after I left, I was supposed to transfer to Pyeongchang. And then they ended up having a missile miraculously explode there. And so I was like, well, I could have been one of the ones dead. I, I was, yeah. Everything happens for a reason, you know. Um, did you like the Air Force, even though you uh, got medically discharged? Um, I mean, I did at the time. But I mean, looking back at it, it's probably one of the best things that ever happened to me because, you know, I just, I got out and I was going to start going back into what I was doing, which was fixing phones at the time. Um, you know, I worked for somebody who wasn't paying me very well. So I had to deliver pizzas and fix phones. And uh, at one point in time, they wanted me to come in more and more. And I'm like, I can't, I've got to deliver pizzas, man. I'm making more money delivering pizzas than I am fixing the stuff for you. So they're like, all right, we'll give you, you know, they gave me a substantial raise. And that's kind of how I became full on into it again, like I was before the Air Force. I think the whole industry saw a pay shift in like 2015 and then recently as 2020. And we were paying people, what was it, like nine bucks an hour until 2015 and then 11 bucks an hour and raising in California as much as we could just to meet the minimum wage because we never, most techs stay like two years. They don't stay longer because there's not really a, can't retire in this industry, you know? Um, yeah. It's not, unless you're doing it for yourself, everyone should be trained enough to then go out and do it for themselves and then refer leads back to you, which is kind of the model we ended up doing with a couple of years ago. And it's like, hey, get enough training. We'll give you parts. We'll give you access to this information. 
you go just bring us leads. And that's been beneficial, especially through the, the ebb and tide of business. Um, Was that like the franchise concept a little bit there? Yeah, we just, we train the guys and then they, uh, they get the tools necessary and they, Scott's free from us, no contract, just, Hey, you know, keep a friendly business relationship. Some don't, some do beneficial. What, what'd you do after you got that pay raise? You Um, you stay there. uh, Probably about, I want to say a year. And then, you know, like you said, divorce, um, my fiance was like, eh, I don't really want to do this anymore. And I'm like, well, that sucks. Um, and I was so depressed by that. I like just got in my car and drove to Florida and slept in my car. I mean, uh, I, you know, I, and obviously I interviewed for jobs over the phone before I moved down here, but I was like, you know, I had no money saved up. Obviously as a kid, you don't think about that type of thing. So I just hopped in my car. Drove to Florida, stuck in my car for a couple of weeks. And then one of the uh, people that I was working with, one of the coworkers was like, dude, you can stay with me. I'm like, that would be amazing, you know? Um, and so I kind of stayed with him for, I want to say six months. And when I, so when I actually got moved, like I was telling you before I came to Florida, I actually had several interviews lined up. So I, I you know, I talked to the people and uh, one of them, I think it was my broken phone, had a spot for me right away to go so um but another one geek maddox was offering more money and an opportunity to run my own store you know so that it it was something but that location wasn't built out yet and it wouldn't be done for another like six months or so so i was like kind of went to broken phone i was honest with them i'm like look i mean i'm if you need a tech for six months i'm here but i'm also got this great opportunity you know down an hour away and i really want to i want to explore that and uh, they were very very cool about it they were like yeah you know definitely you can work with us for the six months and um, I did that. And then Geek Maddox, which is who I've been with for or was with up until recently for about eight years or so. Um, and then finally, I was just kind of like, I'm doing all your guys' board work. I'm bringing in the clients. And um, and now I'm so busy. You know, I, I can't really I can't keep up with this because I'm also helping the clients and, and answering the phone and doing all this and as well as trying to keep up with B2B. And I'm like, something's got to change. And uh, nothing changed, so I'm like, all right, I gotta gotta branch out on my own now. I guess at this point. How scary was it to drive down to Florida and just take that risk? Even though you're you're leaving a relationship, that's got to be massive to leave your home just with the bags in your car. That whole close yeah, back. I mean, it was it was definitely scary. You know, um, you know, it was just something where I had to I had to get out of there. I didn't, it wasn't enough to get out of like the next day I needed to go as far away as I could. And, uh, who doesn't, everybody vacations in Florida might as well go there. Was it close to spring break? Was that the thought process or did you have family? (laughs) No, I don't don't remember. I mean, I I did have family here. Um, but not like in that immediate vicinity. So it was, they were close, but not, not, not close enough to work and live there. Yeah. We're moving from California to Oklahoma you know, better opportunities out there. The place here has just kind of become a cesspool for homelessness. Um, it's getting real bad. I know Florida took uh, quite the turn, started sending people out of state. Uh, DeSantis, what's your view on DeSantis? Um, I don't. I don't really have. Politi- I don't get involved in politicalness, man. Um, that's that's the way. Sorry. To no. <laughs> um, so with. You were there eight years. How I got to ask, when did you become their main guy? Like for moving all their board stuff? 
Was it gradual well, or did they I mean, pay you to they, train? They didn't have a board guy for, you know, I want to say six years. And, um, you know, we never sent it out. And I was actually, I was kind of a young technician and I really didn't look on YouTube and I wasn't in the group. So when they, they actually told me like, no, board repair is unreliable. And I believed it. I was like, okay, because they, they told me we had an experience. We sent out like 10 things and they all broke. And I was like, oh yeah, must not be reliable. So we never explored it until... I broke an iPad backlight 12.9 and we were looking, you know, it was a brand new device at the time or, and it was something where it was very expensive for the owners to buy the device. So they were looking to ship out to any board level guy and they were looking at the prices and they were like, Oh man, this board level is making good money. So they offered to send me to Jessa Jones and, uh, and in lieu of like a three-year contract of working with them. Uh, and to stay there. So I was like, yeah, let's, let's do that. You know? Um, and then I just got, I got back from Jessa and, you know, if you work on boards, you know, you just didn't take a class and now, now you can fix boards, right. You know, <laughs> you have to put a lot of time yeah. into it. So they, they literally, they paid me for a year to pretty much sit and look at a microscope and figure out how to do this. And that's what I did. And during that year, I also was posting in the groups, you know, I was kind of building a reputation and uh, B2B just kind of started flowing in from that. So it was something that, you know, it wasn't really the end game. It was mainly just like, hey, we got to fix our mess up and then it will be profitable in the future. Um, but it was just kind of something that I took and ran with it. Because I, I believe you were still working with Geekmatics and just getting your toes wet into the board, uh, like B2B board level repairs. When I first got in contact with you through the groups, there was a question mm -hmm. I had asked stupidly, and hey, I'm not above it. Um, okay. It's uh, one of those things where you and five other people are informational about things. You're not, what is it, degrading. Everyone will say something yeah. stupid and then be like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, or uh, a St. Patrick of ways. You know, we'll, we'll all say that he yes. is the, the troller of the group. Just loves to Definitely. make names. Um, I think he. I think his favorite word is "y'all are peasants." That he keeps saying that. Like he's above this industry, yet he's still in this industry. Has anyone ever looked at his store on Google? No, I mean, I think he's got multiple stores now. Um, I think his, what he likes to do is take somebody that is working for no money and not happy with their situation, and and throw a store at them. Oh. Um, or at least that's how that's how it used to be, I believe. But uh, I think he's got multiple locations. I remember when crypto was big, he was flying to and from locations. And then uh, mm -hmm. he was, I kept seeing his post like Vegas, dinner, steakhouse, home, steak. You know, and I was like, oh, good for him. Now, I did a lot of the B2B work back in like 2017 when I started doing like up to iPhone 8, stuff like that. But I kind of just gave up when the board splits came in. I'm like, this is getting way too much for me. And I got, I'd have to put way too much time into this every single day versus at that yeah. point I was building a family and then I was at, you know, life for me was taking a different term. So I decided to, I kind of had that, that same attitude when the sandwich boards came out, you know, is cause I was looking at, you know, iPhones or MacBooks, And at the time it was just too much to learn at once. Yeah. Right. So I, I went to Jessa Jones. So I, I was, I was trained in iPhones. I was learning how to iPhones work, but when the sandwich boards were becoming more and more frequent, it was like, okay, you know, let me just concentrate on MacBooks. I got really good on MacBooks. And once I got to the point of confidence where I was fixing them faster than I was trying to figure it out, then I, I contacted like Jesse uh, Cruz and was like, hey, man, 
how do you, how are you doing these sandwich boards? <laughs> What's your secret? And, uh, so, you know, he kind of gave me a few tips and tricks and Greg Wade as well. A couple of people, um, were all just very helpful. And that, that's one of the reasons, um, you know, that I always try to help, you know, you said that I was maybe one of five people that are active and actually help people. And that's just because I'm trying to give back to the repair industry. You know, if we're all looking at each other as competitors, then we're going to fail. You know, we're not, if you think about it, we're probably one of the only industries that are not legitimate in the sense of like Apple doesn't want us to do what we're doing. Right. And, and they're not giving us the things. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's not something like we're going to, um, and well, with IRP now, I guess it's becoming uh, less like that, but it was just something that, you know, I always want to make, take the extra mile and help somebody, you know, I have people in my DMs all the time and I'm always trying to help them get to where they can be. So it's, it's something that, you know, that's because of what people did with me when I was first starting this. So, yeah, the, uh, the biggest problem with this industry, and I've always said collaboration over competition, especially because the way I started I was very petty and I was like, that guy sucks. He's using bad parts. I want uh, you know, to take his customers, ruin his business. And it was so toxic for like the first year and a half. And I was running out of a flea market that I was mm. enraged and I did, I moved nowhere. I didn't do anything. I put like a few bucks in my pocket, but every month the dollar was the same for deductions at, or credits as withdrawals. I'm like, so I'm spending the mm. same amount, but I'm still bitching more and more. And I was like, okay, yeah. let me send some work. Let me ask for some advice. Next to, oh shit, it doubled. And then it doubled again. And I'm like, okay, now we're growing. And uh, yeah. that's why I say you're one of the five people because in those five people, I can send you things. I can send Jesse things. I can send a few other people things, you know? And uh, man, it's we still do your surface level stuff. You know, you, you blow a backlight filter, great. Here you go, 20 minutes time. Most of my guys are yeah. decent enough with the common knowledge, but when you get to the splits, injecting voltage, trying to do like your seat, I still have two seat cameras I got to get rid of. Thanks for reminding me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like shit like that is just finding those thermal faults is a pain in the ass for the people who are not trained on it. And they're just going to start damaging yeah. things. And so when yeah. somebody comes up with a question like, hey, I split this, I have no experience and I destroyed 15 things all you're going to get is just hate stupidity hate stupidity hate stupidity and then there's justin and jesse it's like hey you should reach out to my dms or hey you should have done this first oh thanks (laughs) depending on what group you're in you know if it's cprst normally it's hey reach out we can fix it for you if it's a micro soldering group normally you see the in-depth answers of hey this is what you should do next this is what you should have done before and this is how you don't this doesn't happen again essentially um and that's you know I think one of the reasons Jesse actually answers my DMs is because he sees I'm out there trying to help as much as he is. Would, would you consider yourself to be on a similar level of expertise in MacBooks versus iPhones than Jesse? Yeah, uh, definitely. You know, Jesse's looked at as one of the, the great greatest with iPhones. And I would say I'm very similar with MacBooks. I mean, I'm not saying I'm the greatest by any means, but my, my success rate is, is very high to the point where I mean, I just, I had one client or I had this one client who's been working with me six months now and everything he sent, I've just, you know, been lucky and been able to fix it. Right. So he had one recently and uh, I was like, oh man, this is a no fix. He was like, wait, I didn't think you had no fixes. And I was like, they're few and far between, but you know, that's, that's, that's what, you know, we try to do. And I like, if I can't figure it out, I like to put it aside for a day or two, think about it and then come back to it. But, and that's how you learn. For instance, I don't want to get in the boring micro soldering talk, but one of these MacBooks I had, 
um, was the MacBook Air, and it had a PMI C short, which was immediately easy to identify. And I got to that point in like five or 10 minutes, but it still would not turn on. I was still having the same current draw. So it was like, dang, I, I can't figure it out. I probably spent eight hours, not in a row, but just eight hours total on this board until I finally figured out that the line was short. It was not being generated still. And so I'm like, okay, maybe the bad PMIC. So I swapped that out, still nothing. And what ended up fixing it was me jumping that line to another five volt line to bring it up. And I immediately powered on. And I was like, wow, okay, learned something new there. I'll look for that next time. And then not not even a week later, I had two more of those boards come in and I was able to fix them in, in 20 or 30 minutes. And that's kind of the thing that I always tell people is if you spend the extra time, if you spend that eight hours now, I know it's not gonna be worth to you on that single repair, but it's just the experience that you're getting that way. The next time you see that issue, you're popping them out like there's no tomorrow. Um, so it's it's something that I always, it was something that the owners of Geekmatic and I thought about all the time because they were like, if you can't fix it in two hours, call it a no fix. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm not. I need to learn how to do this. Yeah. Does not yeah. allow it. What was that? The law of attraction doesn't allow it, especially I knew the same thing when I first did my touch ICs on the iPhone 6 Pluses. The moment I got that down with the jumper, I got 30 of them in the next week. I didn't even post about it, but boom, just bam, 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 bam. All right, now I know how to do this. The moment, Mm -hmm. and and I think I posted last year when I started doing the the back glasses by heat and started training my guys to do it. I I posted a video to a comment or a thread, I think to you. And uh, the moment I put it out there, oh man, now we do 20, 30 of them a week. It's crazy. It's the law of attraction. Once you do something and you know this is the way to do it, you just got to spend time on it. The same way car washers or salesmen, you know, once they got it down, it comes. There's, there's always a fault there. Now, your current business model, is this something you think you're going to retire from or are you going to build out a store? No, I mean, you kind of, you hit my soul when you were like, you can't retire from this. I'm like, don't I know it? You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's something where, um, yeah, I, I, you know, when I first got into B2B or when I left Geekmatics, my, my mindset and my game plan was I'm going to build B2B and I'm only going to do B2B. I'm tired of the end user customer. I'm tired of being, you know, yelled at for things that aren't my fault and just, you know, and, and then of course it's only like 5% of the people are like that, yeah. but the 5% are so bad. It's just like, oh, I don't want to do it anymore. And now I've been doing um, Geek Boy repairs solely for... Um, not even a year yet. It's been almost um, March was when I left. So um, it, it's something that I was now, you know, month, many months later, I'm sitting here like, I miss helping customers. You know, I want to get back into a storefront. And, and and also, it's not even only missing customers. It's about making the easy dollar, right? Screen replacements, battery replacements, everything that hits my bench today is a board level repair, yeah. right? Um, so it's, it's, I, you know, it classifies a more difficult repair. I never just can have a day where it's like, Oh, 10 screen replacements. This is going to be a profitable day and an easy day. It doesn't, it doesn't always happen that way in B2B. So, um, OLED King, Mike and I were, we're talking about, we're still talking about trying to team forces and getting a storefront because I mean, if you have somebody that's really good at micro soldering and somebody that's really good at refurbishing, you, you we're going to kill it. You know, we're really going to be able to clean up in that area. So it's something that we're trying to work out and trying to get to the, to where it's going to be. Cause he's not really wanting to move and I'm not really wanting to move, but we're so close together. So it's like, oh, we, we just got to figure that out. And then I think we're going to have a storefront going on. My, my personal history up until that 2016 moment, I was doing only refurbishing S, up to the S seven, up to the note seven. 
And uh, when they started doing curves, I bought the Enclave. Uh, you know, I bought the heater spreaders. And uh, mm. not even a week after they showed up, I didn't even unbox them. We had somebody break into the back of the storefront and take the cases. And so wow, insurance fought me on uh, only receipts I had were customs and all the stuff from overseas. And uh, mm-hmm. at that point, when I finally got paid, it was like 20 grand worth of stuff. And I'm like, this is a big hit at the time. I didn't have a spare 20 yeah. grand to just throw around. And uh, yeah. I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to buy a microscope. seems like everything's charge ports. I can just save money and this will be quicker to turn around and learn. And that's when it kicked mm-hmm. off that way. But man, having, and most of my guys know how to do the, the basic Apple watches. We do some of the iPhone six, seven, stuff like that. Still refurbishing because it's easier, but yeah, to not have that and try and run a store like this is you can't make it, especially doing, I don't think so. 20 or 30 screens a day even at 30 minutes a screen, 20 minutes a screen, you're not going to make your nut. And the people who post yeah. about it, they're they're moving some weight behind the scenes to try and make that nut. Uh, I was going to bring up uh, the OLED King because you went recently out to his spot, right? And learned a little bit about refurbishing. Well, I go to his spot probably once a month um, just because he's a buddy of mine. Um, did I learn refurbishing? I mean... He showed me and then he walked me through it. I did my first one successfully, but it's something that I personally have no interest in um, and to learn just because the one reasons I like micro soldering is because it's a new challenge every day. You never know what you're going to see. Whereas like with refurbishing and no disrespect to anybody who does refurbishing, it's just like it's so the same thing every day constantly. And I just I don't know if I could wrap my head around that. And I have a ton of respect for the people who do it because it's not something you can just like, I was only able to do it because Mike who's fantastic at refurbishing was over my shoulder being like, do this, do this, do this, do this. And it was just like, he could teach anybody how to refurbish. So if I was in the same position without Mike, I would definitely be breaking screens left and right. And that's something that, and then kind of my other point against refurbishing is because if you mess up a board on a board level repair, nine times out of 10, you can fix that. If you break, if you break an OLED, you have to buy another OLED. Like there's no, oh, I can fix this. You know, it's, it's done at that point you've lost. And, you know, Mike makes this point all the time where it's like, you're going to have breakage and, you know, you're only making $80 on a screen, but if you break it, it's, you lose $250. One of his favorite things to say, I think is if, if you um, are bad at this, you are going to go in the hole quick. Like you're going to be sinking money into it. And so yeah, I don't really have that much interest in to go into the refurbished game, to be honest. I'll let the professionals handle that. No, yeah, and I, I give it off to uh, to Mike, the way he's posted. He's, he's dealt with it delicately on the people who have lost their heads because they're thinking it's quick dollars. The reason I was given that break during the burglary when I started to realize the loss possibility is great. Um, I think I had broken a Note 8 OLED, like... 350 bucks. And I was like, you know, I warned yeah. the customer there's a risk, there's powdered areas. That's one of the reasons we get a lot of scrap in my storefront is like, we're very transparent. Hey, your Apple watch, you have all four corners are shattered and dented. And I'm like, Hey, you got a 50, mm-hmm. 50 here. You're going to pay me 40 bucks for trying it. If it works, you're paying me 80 bucks for the refurb. If not 170 for a replacement. And uh, if it doesn't make it, boy, are they angry. Like they never got told any of that. And, uh, 
yeah. I think the interpretation is they're so hopeful they ignore all the warnings. You know, they're like, yeah. oh, I'm gonna save a bunch of money. Well, and that's end user where you can do that too. You know, you can say, hey, look, this is what it is. And but on a B2B, you can't. You know, if they're sending you a working OLED, they expect the OLED to come back working. And if not, that's your responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we, it, we're, it, it's such a higher standard for B2B than an end user. I mean, I remember in that year of me learning, um, anytime a board level come in, the um, I would explain to the person like in depth, like board level repair is very risky. It may not work. Mm-hmm. It may be worse. We do not know what to expect just so I could have that disclaimer, but I was still like trying to push them into doing it because I wanted to learn. You know, so it was just like, but with B2B, you can't do that. You know, if, if they're sending in a, 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 a like an iPhone 12 for baseband or Wi-Fi and the phone still functions, if that board doesn't function when it leaves your shop, you're buying them a new phone. Yeah, like, every time. a lot of people don't tell you the, the risk factor is solely on that. That's why we stopped doing like back glass B2B uh, refurbishing or Microsoft because <laughs> I offered it for a little while. But boy, I ran into a guy from Monterey that ate up six months of my year. And I was like, he just kept sending me case after case of these devices he would buy in lots. And like, oh, this was all turning on doing X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, uh, it's just a bunch of garbage. Um, yeah. yeah. That guy is, I think, my biggest fan currently because I technically own half his business. Uh, fun, <laughs> fun little story. Um, so what are, your, what are your immediate plans? What do you want to do the next year versus the next five years? Um, I really want to grow, keep growing my reputation over this next year, you know, keep, keep growing the B2B, um, that way when it comes from Mike and I to actually open up a storefront it's something why, because every store is going to be slow at first, right. Um, you, you know, you got to build up reviews, you got to build up reputation. So I want Mike's and I's B2B to be so strong that we can survive, have a paycheck and have profitability, even with the extra expenses of a store, you know? Um, and that's kind of my goal. That's kind of where I want to be at. And it's, it's almost there, you know, it's, it's, it's building up. So what, what, one last question I got with the, uh, the mic thing, is he currently, he's obligated with techie, right? Like that's what he's doing with, uh, with Walmart. Yeah. That's a sticky situation, man. Um, you know, and I don't know how much of it I want to get into on the air, but, um, it's one, one of the things where him and I had plans to open up a store when he was doing it was a Ocala thing, building out that store. Oh, yeah. And then um, he just had like an unbelievable opportunity with techie where they were literally just like, um, here's the keys to the store. That's and, uh, and they, and he took off with it. I mean, the store was struggling before he got in there and now the store is profitable every month. And it's just something where it's like, it's hard to walk away from that. But uh, you know, and the, I think our plans are is to build that up enough to be able to sell it profitable or, you know, so he makes profit, profit on it and then use kind of some of that funds to build out the store that we want. The best advice I got a few years ago was everything is built to sell because you can't run it till you die. So yeah, it doesn't matter what it is that, that too many business owners will be the operators where they try to polish everything to be perfection. And we see that with people like Sean or uh, some of the CPR owners. Everything has to be 100%. And I'm like, really sell, flip, sell, flip. That's what we do with repairs. Everything is instant gratification, move on to the next project. It has to be the same with businesses. Otherwise, you're not going to 
do this when you're 60, 70, 80, where are you going to get your medical from? Especially in this industry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like when, when that, those bowel problems happen at 70, what are you going to do? You know, that's <laughs> exactly. Hopefully I get to 70. <laughs> I think I'm on the same page with you, man. I, I understand. I used to say that I would die by 25 or uh, jump off a cliff to 60. If I didn't have obligations, I would be on that path, but you know, kids changed everything. It's nuts. Yeah. Um, I'm excited. I couldn't imagine my life now without them is nuts. Um, plans for family in the That's future. That's what they say, man. Kids ground you. It's nuts. Yeah. yeah we're, we're, we're trying, man. Um, it, you know, we got married. I've been with my wife almost immediately since I moved to Florida. So eight years. And then we just got married last fact, October. Our anniversary is coming up here on the 30th. Um, so just a year, but we've been trying all year and it's still not there yet, but uh, it's definitely something that we both want as a family to take a romantic getaway. And I know you make enough, so get the, the mood <laughs> hot. <laughs> my son came right after uh, we got engaged. Just somehow we didn't want to be pregnant, but bam, it happened. The excitement. And we're like, great. Now, now we got a second. And uh, as much as I love him, a kid is a nightmare. Uh, have your girl first. <laughs> oh, I'm scared to have a girl, man. I don't, I don't know how I would discipline a girl. That's why I was telling Kayla. Oh, you know, my wife, I feel like would. Yeah, she doesn't get discipline. <laughs> yes, that's the problem. I yeah. think you know. Look, look at the not your kids, but look at the kids these days. I mean, the, half the kids that come into the shop are like you know their moms are with them they're like how much for the repair and then we say the price and the kid's like yes do it and the mom's like i don't know and then they start like you know fighting with their parents in the middle of the store i'm like damn dude if i try to play that with my mother i'd be slapped in the face in the middle of the store and you know what there was yeah, no joke around back then yeah <laughs> once you're a parent it's so much harder because the times are different now so like i'll, I'll still mm -hmm. whoop my kids in the middle of walmart i don't care but <laughs> like my daughter will do these manipulative little things where it'll be like, well, daddy, I really want. And then it's like, but CJ got, I'm like, what did he get? So she'll point out something from a week ago and then she'll ask for it. And I'll be like, Oh, you know, fair's fair. Okay. Let's get you the Barbie dream house. How old is four. She? She's six and she's got me wrapped around the finger. And uh, my wife's like, you just, you're too easy on her. My son goes to sit time four times a day but he just runs up and smacks things because he's two years old and everything is fight guys. Um, mm -hmm. But boy, <laughs> she, uh, she's got a reckoning when she turns like 12, 13 and has to earn things. It's going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's only um, around the corner, man. I heard, I hear it goes quick. That's, that's what everyone's saying. I'm, I'm looking forward to what happens between now and then. Do you do the, the news, right? Still? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I tried, I was doing it once a week and then it was just like people weren't getting called out as much. And I don't know. Um, I, you know, I have several people message me about the Stina and they're like, you know, this hurts my sensibilities. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, well, I'm sorry. You know? And I thought it was doing more harm to my B2B than good, which is kind of what I wanted. Um, so I was like, I'm going to take a break from that. You know, if, if I get enough people ask me to bring the news back, then I will. And then I, don't know, I didn't do it for like a month. I just had people always in my DMs like, do you see what's happening in CPRST right now? You've got to do the news on this. You've got to do the news on this. And I was like, all right, well, I'll bring it back. And then so now I tried to just do it 
whenever there's news, like if there's something to say, or there's somebody that needs to be called out or um, anything like that, then, then yeah, I'm going to do it, but I'm not going to be like, all right, once a week it's happening. You know, that's just, it's too much to pretty much not have any content. So I started the news and then everybody was like, Dustin's the new referee. Right. So anytime anything ever happened in the groups it, it, at the high point of the CPRSD news, anyway, it was people, both parties in my DMs, like, this is what's going on and da da da. And at one point I was spending more time to trying to figure out the bullshit on who's lying and who's telling the truth and having to go through all of the evidence, you know, and we're talking about like 40 screenshots from both people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you're going to have to go through all this. And I was spending more time doing that than I was doing board work. And if I was like, okay, well, I'll do that tonight and then I'll do the board work during the day. Then I had my wife in my ear, like you never spend time with me anymore, you know, and which is something that I dealt with. I mean, I started Geek Boy Repairs, you know, by my doing that alone back in March, but doing it with Geek Maddox, because there was a time frame in there where I was doing B2B for myself and with Geek Maddox um, and was just like, I would go to work for from nine to six. Now I come home and be in my office from like six thirty to a one two in the morning, and you know that went on for almost a year, however long it was, and it drove a real wedge between my wife and I, where she was like, "All you do is you know work and you don't care, and you just you're in that office all night." And I'm just like, "Baby, I'm trying to build a business. This is this is this the struggle of building a business, you know." And I mean, it was one of the scary things I think I've ever done in my life is. Um, quit geek Maddox and do geek boy full-time um, and kind of commit to that. And it was just, am I going to make it? Am I going to have enough money? It's going to be really embarrassing going back to geek Maddox and be like, well, I failed, you know, and I, I didn't want that. So well, um, you have that opportunity at least, at least you maintained a, a decent reputation. Dude, yeah. Um, I, I don't envy starting a business post 2018, you know, the, the loopholes and the bullshit, the reputational like niche one bad review can cause like we've been open since 2014 and we're four and a half stars across the board. We got mm -hmm. hit with 31 stars by a, a pretty crazy customer. She every day for a month, new account, new wow. email. Uh, and it got us down to like four stars on Google, but that has yeah. for me in a brick and mortar, it doesn't hurt business. Most people mm. see my responses and they'll be like, Hey, honestly, exactly. here it is. And so we just kind of like, let it go. We're like, all right, great. Yelp. Well, and, and, and it's so much worse and B2B because it's not, you know, it, it's not on Google. It's in this group that everybody knows you. And I, I think Jesse and I have the same philosophy. If we mess up in any way, we are going to go above and beyond to make it right for you guys, mm. because it's just something that, your post dragging us is not worth it to us that no matter what it is. I mean, we, we pride ourselves on not once being dragged in the groups. Um, and, and it's something that you, you cannot say that. I mean, uh, there's like several people you can say that about, but it's, it's so few and far between on the people that a lot of people do micro soldering B2B, but you can say, yep, that person has been dragged for this. That person has been dragged for this. And then you see pictures of their work and you're like, and I'm not naming any names, but it's like, ah, well, that's why they're getting dragged. Um, you, you get so the same like, in the unlock side of things too. Like, uh, what was his name? Definitely. Alfie got Alfie? dragged. Yeah. For Multiple times. Days. I yeah. never, I, he blocked me for asking what uh, one of the, uh, the drags was for. And I was like, all right, cool. 
I don't, I, yeah. I don't mind. Um, but then I would always see his name tagged in things. I was like, what does he do? Like, how does he get so much hate? But then I realized he's part of the ones that reputation isn't more of his, his brand. It's either reputation or it's just the money coming in that, you know, that they care about. You guys are on the reputation side. The, the money coming in people, they're like, well, I'll rob Peter to pay Paul. It's fine. Eventually, well, I think it's more of a philosophy of you need a good reputation to bring the money in. I mean, we're talking about B2B. Your reputation is everything. And this is with anybody in the groups. I mean, and even if you do micro soldering, you do screen refurbishing or you sell devices, whatever it is, your reputation is everything. You get enough posts. I would say it only takes a couple. Um, but you had people like Alfie who at one point was getting dragged once a week by a different person for a different uh, scenario. And it was just, it got so bad, but then you had these people on the post still defending him. And it's like, and I'll, I'll be honest, I was one of those people, cause I like Alfie, I think he's a cool dude. I would definitely drink a beer with him, right? Um, but I was one of those people that was like, no, Alfie's solid, Alfie's solid. And by like the third one, I'm like, okay, well I can no longer say Alfie is solid because now it's gonna be my reputation on the line, right? You know, it, it's, it's something where if I keep saying he's good, then I'm going to get hurt by it. And it, it, and it, so you just have to look. That's why I, I pay very close attention to who I vouch for. And with, and now it's like, if you're, if you're not nor, like 99, 100% never been dragged, then I'm probably not going to vouch for you. God, yeah. I, I couldn't imagine being a person providing a service in these groups anymore. It's a, it's, it's a sticky road, especially. Now- it, it, it can be rough. Yeah, you mentioned- how so you've had this for a year now almost but you've also only yeah. been married for a year I, I gotta say your wife is gonna feel like she's battling you for that business i know mine came around in 2018 and uh, my business has been around five years longer than her so she knew it was my baby so she's mm -hmm. very accommodating but still she does the same thing where it's like we don't spend enough time together you're home working on doing this doing that I got a lot of passion projects too. So, um, well, she, that's, that's one thing that go ahead. Uh, she, she understands, but she's also like, Hey, we need some quality time. And yeah. And that, that was one of the things that where, when I was, cause I, you said I had this for a year, I actually had geek boy repairs for almost a little over two years now. Um, so, and then it was just solely since March. So it's, it's something that, um, she used to f really feel that way when it was both, but once it switched to just geek boy, I tried to be done. Let's be honest by four, <laughs> but, um, but, but, um, I mean, there are some times where I have people are like, Hey, I'm in a rush for this or the queue is just so large where it's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to be working till 11 or 12, but it's never every night anymore. You know, it's now she feels that we're spending time together because I'm done. And then when she comes home, we normally go watch a movie or we make dinner together or whatever just we can do time. to kind of see exactly quality time. So now I would say she's, she's very happy with it the way it is now. Um, I hope anyway, that's what she tells me. <laughs> so you guys weren't affected by Ian, right? By who? Uh, her oh, no, Ian. No, um, no, it was, we, we were in a mandatory evacuation zone. I live in Tarpon Springs is like the actual area and I'm at, um, and they were like, you guys have to go. It's not a choice. So I packed up my, I mean, I didn't grab my tools or anything. I just was grabbing people's devices. Like, you know, I can't, I can't just leave this stuff here. If we get flooded, I'm going to call, I don't want to call, you know, 50 people and be like, you know, I Mac, what you sent them for data recovery. It's now looking a lot worse. Uh, dude, insurance is the main reason that I'm a business owner right now. It, it is crazy. The first burglary I profited $80,000.
and I, I didn't wow. have 80,000. So I'll tell you the story. I got a bunch of recycled laptops uh, back in 2015 when I first opened this location. That's when they stole, um, I think it was like 95 laptops that were all from like 1990 wow. all the way up to 2010. And the guy was stuck in his downtown loft. He's like, hey, I just get one every year. So it was 90 of them that he had kept getting for parts and stuff gave them to me. I serialized everything, put it on a Google Doc, and I was like, okay, what are these worth? I'm going to do my due diligence. Mm-hmm. Well, holy shit, not even a week later, guy comes up with a van, and uh, they at the time we had a security door on the back, and they just pry barred it twice, and it broke up. I was like, what the fuck? Like, didn't wow. have to do anything. The second burglary, they tow-hitched the door, ripped it off the wall. and They so weren't fucking around. Dude, we get burglarized once a year on average. It's crazy. But I will wow. say, I never... I will never up the security as long as I am protected because, hey, go ahead. I've got insurance. insurance See, but for me, the, the thing, that's not even what it's about. For me, it's people's data. I mean, you can't put a price tag on people's data, you know, and I'm not does. saying I'm not going to get insurance or anything because that's actually on my list to do. But it, it, I mean, if she's just saying insurance puts a price on data. They do. <laughs> if, uh, so, so I've only had two, two customers have lost data. I've had a one terabyte customer got $42,000 for. And then I've wow. had a, a 128 customer got about 12,000. So they put a price on the amount of data and pay the customer. Well, let me ask you this. Did, 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 did the customer take you to court? And no. then the court said it was this amount of money. And then the insurance paid or the insurance just made like, made hey, offers. it's worth 40,000. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. Hey, we're doing data recovery on this. Even though one of them was a screen repair. I'm like, Hey, we're doing a data recovery on this. This is how much it was. Here's what we quoted them. I think we did tier systems back then were like two, four, and 600 for data recovery. Mm-hmm. And so we're yeah. like, hey, other places charge five, 10, 15,000. You know, and yeah. this is when, what is that big place? Drive, Drive savers. savers. Yeah, they charged so yeah. much back then. And I was like, yeah. well, these customers going to sue me. I know they are, especially I'm liable. It's not just for the $1,000 laptop, but all the distress, they'll easily get yeah. this. I think yeah. we should pay them. This is what we're insured for, right? And the, mm-hmm. and the first lady was like, "Yeah, they offered forty-two thousand. I'm like, "Take it, take it, dead grandma, yeah. fucking take it. You'll understand that. Invest it. Do whatever you got to do." I hadn't even yeah. got my offer. They probably did five grand worth of damage, but all those laptops that were serialized, they paid me a thousand dollars per laptop. Wow! Because that was the retail replacement value, and that's what I was insured for. I didn't realize that, but the girl I was dating back in 2015 was an insurance broker. She wrote the policy. She gave me the best of the best. That insurance policy paid for 50 years of insurance that I will never not pay for. Up the price. I don't care. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they kind of just sold me on it. I've only been robbed one time. And I work from home. So it was Mm -hmm. like they they broke into my house. And this was when I was still working at Geekmatic. So um, I had a day job. And uh, my wife will obviously wasn't home broad daylight. And we live in a nice neighborhood, right? I mean, it's not it's like um, nice I live ones. in the Exactly. So they, they break in and, you know, they, they kind of ransacked the place. And I'm, I'm very lucky because they, they didn't take a single client device. Like they were, the guy was in my, it was a man and a woman in a relationship. And the guy was in my office at the time I didn't have security cameras and I didn't have an alarm system at my house. You know, I was saying, you live in a good neighborhood. Nobody knows what I'm doing in there. I mean, you know, I'm kind of thinking I'm flying below the radar, but guys in my office for like 20 or 30 minutes. And I'm just like, I'm watching the security footage 
um, of like, I had it in the living room area. So I could kind of note, I knew he was in here and I'm just like, Oh my God, what is he going to take? What is he going to take? What is he going to, I'm like in my office, like trying to see if anything's missing and all this. And that, you know, I, I'm, I realized no, nothing is gone. I mean, they took my wife's Apple watch, her switch, um, a, like a jug full of like dollar change. We put dollars or whatever in there, There's you know, they took that and, and exactly. And, uh, they also took the security cameras, which I thought was funny because, they, I, I assume they're nests, so they're cloud based, oh, yeah, right? So I, I, I literally got, I got him grabbing the camera off the wall, <laughs> and I'm showing it to the cop, and the cop goes, "I know exactly who that is," and I'm like, "You've got to be kidding me!" So, I, I mean, they leave, the cops leave, and um, I would say up until like three in the morning, I had the cops knocking on my door, bringing my stuff back, including my security cameras, and the only thing that they didn't bring back was my wife's Nintendo Switch. So I bought her, bought her a new one. I was like, that was a good, successful robbery if there was a, such a thing, right? I was like, this is exact. But since then, I have security cameras in every room except like the bedroom and stuff like that, the bathroom, obviously. And then I have alarm in the house, glass break everywhere. Uh, you open a window, I'll know about it. I waited 11 months for the uh, burglary in 2021 to pay me last month. And it was only 35 grand. But I was like, okay, take your time. Somebody got COVID, somebody got laid off, got moved to another department, investigation. And I was like, all right, great. We still got paid. They have to pay me. Yeah. That's not the problem. They're gonna take their sweet time, drag their feet. But the people who are like, I need to get paid tomorrow from this burglary, they know there's a problem because somebody is either desperate for the cash or involved. I won't Well, let me involved. ask, do your premiums go up? You said you get robbed once a year and you refuse to upgrade your security. Do your premiums go up? Yeah, because so I got dropped after the, the second burglary, I was paying 750 a year. And I ended up mm -hmm. paying, I think it's 12, it was 1250, 2017, 2018. So now I'm paying about 1500 a year with a $400 deposit. So then it's like a hundred bucks a month. That's not bad at all. Yeah. Wow. But it's California That's actually too. really good. Yeah, it's stupid. Yeah, I Some know. people, they have to pay three, $4,000 a year. But to us, we're only covered for a hundred thousand dollars in personal damage. And then it's a million, a million, a million five. So. If a customer's loss exceeds a million, then I pay a percentage up to five million. Um, but nobody can carry more than a hundred thousand dollars worth of my goods out of here at a time, and especially with the yeah. alarm going on, that's a calculated risk. The insurance charges me a four percent deduction if I'm underinsured. So I was like, well, take four percent off, and then I'll just insure for a hundred thousand out of the two million that we have here. We'll be good. And so every time we get a burglary, they're like, 4% loss, deduction, I'll take your thousand de deposit. Okay, here you go, here's all your earnings. And it's like a fire sale. And I tell people this and I tell the insurance, I'm like, it's a fire sale every year. Black Friday to Christmas, something happens. I love how you put that. <laughs> Dude, at this point, my family thinks I set it up. My employees are like, it's bad luck. I'm like, dude, I wish I could set it up this stupid because most people are unmasked fingerprints we just it, it's america and i wish so, i had people that'd be willing to go to jail for that <laughs> dude and, and the cops don't even get them most of the time they're like oh yeah i got their face i got their fingerprints and then poof magicians they're a different person or maybe it's you know with all the culture right now they go and get a sex change but it's uh it, dude there's no way that the cops are this bad with this much evidence nowadays to me it is outstanding sometimes I feel that they, if it's not a more serious crime, they, they, and they're so overwhelmed that they just, they're like, we, we got a murder case. We got to work on like, 
fuck that guy. Um, so they always I mean, tell that, me it's that domestic of, violence is the reason that they're here six hours after a burglary, and they're like, yeah, it's a domestic violence call. Really? Every time? Six hours? Wow. Okay, the last one was six hours. I didn't even get the call because my phone was off. Um, my son was wrapped around me, phone died, and then I go in the next morning at 10 a.m., door shattered, you know, front door. Uh, cases are ripped off the wall. We had a, a double wide glass case that was shatterproof glass. So they ended up ripping the walls of the wood off. They had so much time and they still only got like 30 grand worth of stuff. Stupid people. Wow. Um, so you, you mentioned you're moving to, you're, you're, you're in California, but you're going to Oklahoma. Is that because the taxes in California are ridiculous? I mean, cost of living out there is incredibly high. So taxes and cost of living. Uh, I'll spend 22 cents on the dollar out there living. So we rent out here. I was going to buy in 2020. So we rent for almost 1800 bucks a month. After paying their water, sewer, garbage, and their taxes, we're paying like 2600 for a four bedroom that the bedrooms are smaller than my office here. It, even my kids are like, yeah, let's spend time in the living room, you know? And so I, I hate the place. They don't take care of it well, and we can't do upgrades. And I'm like, I just want something different. Well, we went to go and rent. We're like, yeah, 2900 uh, two-month deposit. And then we want, uh, what is it? So it'll do like six grand down, and then they want a five-year lease now, like rental. I'm like, what do you mean five years? That's It's supposed to be 12 months. That's ridiculous. In Oklahoma, they hey, you want three months? You want to just pop and shop? I don't care. Um, but even the commercial lease, it was 800 bucks for 2,700 square feet. And I'll have a false, I'm having a false wall put up so we can do the studio and a lot of the social media stuff we're doing on the side. And then, um, you know, we'll do the, the standard repair yet. I've got 3d printers that I'll have over there. I do all the rug tufting. I make these custom candles here. I saw that on your desk when I first yeah. got in, I was like, wow, those are some these weird are, looking candles, man. Have you ever seen fifth element? Yes. Yeah, these are the stones. Back a long time ago, so don't ask me movies or questions about it. <laughs> Dude, these I spent like 700 bucks on just the silicone for this, and I ruined $400 in silicone. I was devastated. I, I, I spent two days going like, I, I'm the idiot of the century who just spilt. I, I didn't seal it with the glue, so it poured out $400 worth of silicone from the, the mold. And it was just like, I'd invested so much harder and time into this and just ruined it. It was so great. Um, yeah, I but, want a 3d printer, but man, I, I'm not creative enough to have one. Like I, I you, you see all these people in the groups making these awesome things with 3d printer. I'm like, that is amazing. Stuff. I want one just to I just have print it. their stuff. That's what yeah, I do. I, just print I, don't, I don't know. I can't 3d model to save my life. I, I even Eric has talked about doing it. I wish I could 3D model. I'd, I'd make my kids do the whole foot thing with the casting. And then I was like, nah, that's a lot of fucking work. Uh, Fiverr, people do it for a dollar. So I'll send them a picture, <laughs> they'll model it, and then they send it back to me, and that's it. Um, that's nice. Dude, it's outsourcing everything is what I do now. It's much easier. And I hate to be that guy who's like fat and full of it. But yeah, here we go outsourcing. Um, life works that way. It's a lot more, it's, I'm a lot happier. I only have to work five days a week, certain amount of hours in the day. As long as I put it into whatever project, I'm happy. Um, yeah. that's where I'm moving. Why I moved to Oklahoma, man. I'll have a lot more free time. I only have to work noon to five, five days a week. And wow, that's great. Yeah. Well, what's your opportunity out there? Um, so I can do the cell phone, AT&T, T-Mobile and Verizon are right underneath me. 
so they don't have any repair place. And then um, the 3D printing will be real nice. People have a lot of needs out in the Midwest that they don't know how to fill. I was like, oh, shit. But I do the candles. My wife does the body scrubs, shea butters, all that stuff. She makes decent money off of it. She finally got terminated from her job working from home today. So she's excited. She uh, milked oh, that she's out. She's excited. Yeah. So she milked that out for a while. She was like, you know, I hate it here. Uh, I'm going to do what they call it quiet quitting now, where you do as minimal amount of work as possible. She's been there six, seven years. She's She got catapulted through the ranks and she makes a lot of money. But then they just treated her like shit for the last couple of months. And she's like, nope. All right, here we go. Instead of walking out, I'll let them fire me. She'll collect yeah. on it and then opportunities, you know? Dude, it's, it, I wasn't insured until th- that girl I was dating was bad shit crazy, but her father owned the insurance firm. And he was like, listen, if you're going to date my daughter, you got to do it right. We're going to get you a handbook for your employees. We're going to get you insurance. We're going to make you a business owner. Well, thank you, sir. There you go. I was just a guy. I had a plastic table, a PS3, and a TV, and all I, a handwritten board on the front of the building that said "cell phone repairs." Until that uh, burglary. That burglary. Yeah. Here we go. We need brand new uh, everything. We repainted pegboards. The world, because man, I. So you getting robbed? Actually, kind of just uh, did nothing but help you. Nothing but help me. I had twenty five hundred dollars in the bank. That was it, and then. Hey, let me take out thirty thousand in cash, and I was like, "Huh," you know. It, it was one of those things that catapulted life in the direction I wanted. Absolutely, I tell that story to people all the time. They're like, "No way!" I'm like, "It's like hitting the lotto, except you knew the lotto would hit, so you paid a portion <laughs> to protect the lotto winnings." You know, especially if you're in a, a, like a really nice or fancy area, and you bring in like shit. I where I'm at now is a public road. And I wear Yeezys. They're $300 shoes, right? I yeah. know somebody's going to see that. And if they wanted to, they could kick in the front door. I got cameras. They're not going to care about that. Mask will cover faces. If I'm not armed to protect myself or insured to protect my assets, then I'm fucked. Especially in California. Yeah. People are like, oh, if I didn't shoot them, I'm only getting a misdemeanor. So, Well, honestly, as I was just about to say, I would be scared to death to have a gun in California. I mean, even if I needed it, I, I feel like they're really strict over there. Like Texas, or not Texas, but here in Florida, we have Sandra Ground Law. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you kick in my door, I can shoot you. No no questions asked. Like I can't and, uh, shoot we him have in the this... back. That's the only thing. Yeah, I don't think you can shoot him in the back anywhere. <laughs> well, no. So, like, say if I point and then they run away, if somebody shoots them, then that's attempted murder. If they get shot yeah. in the front, kicking in the door... And that is protecting yourself. California is strict on that. But I own 11 handguns. And uh, and even with my military uh, discharge, you know, going through PTSD and everything, they didn't say anything. I got treatment after I got out, got on drugs, got sober. And I applied and they were like, yeah. I'm not, See, I don't I'm think PTSD is enough to, to say you can't have a gun, right? Yeah. I think you have to have make an example or do something that would say, okay, I mean, he did it because of his PTSD but now we've, we're going to look at the gun situation. You know if what I mean? If they would have given me a gun a in 2011, I would have killed somebody. Absolutely. Say that. I, no, I, I, I'm honest about it because I've, see, I've uh, sought treatment. The VA did me uh, right. Everyone says the VA is shitty, but I'm very happy. Um, it's one of those things that I was angry and weirdly in a place where I couldn't trust my mind. So I sought drugs instead of violence, luckily, even though, you know was a whole thing for a couple of years, but man, 
the world has never been better. It's once we decided to move, we're like, yeah, F you, California, you know, <laughs> it's uh, and Jesse plead too. He, now he's, he, he ran away from California as quick as he could. It's zero income tax in, in Vegas. I didn't think about it, but then I'm also an addictive personality. So I'm like, ah, gambling. Here we go again. <laughs> yeah. You know, we had the crypto. Now if we go, it'd be bad. I have a funny story about gambling. I was playing, uh, Texas Hold'em at a casino. And I was like playing on the app a lot. You know, not I didn't pay to play on the app, but not it's not one of those apps. It's just to pay or not to pay, but just to play for fun. And I wasn't really good. I, I thought I was. So I named my wife one time. We went to a casino, the Hard Rock Cafe. And uh, I'm playing there. We're probably there till like 12 o'clock. And I think I brought in a thousand. I was out of money, but I was having such a good time. I mean, people in, in real life are a lot better than on the app, obviously. Oh, yeah. uh, so I was having such a good time. I went to Kayla, it was my wife and, and wife. She was up. She was playing like the slots or anything. She was she was killing it. Now, like, baby, I need another five hundred <laughs> or a hundred. It was that's all she gave me. She was like, she gave me a hundred bucks to continue. So I went down. I I got a hundred dollars worth of chips and I sat at the table and I played one hand and I lost and I was just like. Um, you know what? I'm done. I take my chips back and I go to the, the cash out and where the lady proceeds to hand me a thousand dollars. And I feel so bad about this now, but I was, you know, young and stupid. And I looked at the thousand dollars and I'm like, Kayla, we got to go now. Like they fucked up. Somebody fucked up here. You know, they just gave me $900 extra. We got to go. And I've never gambled since then. I was like, that was a sign from God. I'm not religious, but that was a sign from God that like, you need to get the hell out and get out now and never do it again. So I'm I've never gambled again. I wasn't like I was heavy into gambling. It was just like it was about to be there. I, that, after that night, if that didn't happen, I would have gone there once a week at minimum. Oh, yeah. Probably spent all of my money that I'm saving up and all this, you know. So well, I'm just I'm thankful that that happened. I hope that lady didn't lose her job. I see. I think about this maybe once every couple of months. I'm just like Kayla. Why did you let me walk out of that casino? It like probably that? I, wasn't I feel so the bad. Dealer at the cage, but probably the dealer on the table that either cashed a ten for a bunch of hundreds and yeah. gave you instead of the ones or the ten dollar chips a bunch of hundreds, and then you took it to the cage. Yeah. So yeah, it's harder to get that. But I have a funny story before we end it. Money from that insurance. Um, so we have something called Thunder Valley here, which is our casino. And so me and my mm -hmm. girlfriend at the time went to Thunder Valley, January 1st, we got tickets, this little uh, band, and three course meal. And we're like, great. So took 1500 bucks. I was like, all right, cool. Just got paid from that burglary in November. And uh, I was like, you know, I wonder what it's like to pay, play on the high roller machines. They had this place called the high roller cafe. And so it was mm -hmm. like $50 spins, hundred dollar spins, $500 spins. I'm like, well, let's try the $50 spins. I like the dollar machines for, nine bucks a spin and uh first spin 2200 bucks hand pay it's like okay cool let's let's put this back in and see if we can hit again and that's then, your first mistake <laughs> no 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 this is where it gets good all of a sudden we're down a thousand bucks and i'm like all right well that's half of it let me just spin a couple more times i do this double tap and the machine goes black and so all of a sudden it does this like lightning strike thing where it starts glowing on the side. Well, it turns out they have what is called the lightning strike jackpot for $151,000. I need to start hanging around you, Chris. It sounds Dude, like you're very lucky. <laughs> 20, 2017 to 2018, I spent probably a quarter of a million dollars at Thunder Valley back and forth, up and down, up and down. And so this is, again, how I fueled my business. And then burglary, insurance, all that money 
But man, I was living like a baller. I had the Louis Vuittons, everything going back and forth. And uh, it was nuts because it was a very toxic relationship. But I learned real fast that they really give you that money in hopes that you'll spend it again. Because I got black yeah. car service, jets to Vegas, uh, five-star five Michelin meals. Uh, I even got craps tables where it reminded me of what you said because a craps dealer gave me $2,600 in chips for a $26 bet once, which was really funny. Um, and so I cashed that out. <laughs> I felt bad for a while. And then I'm like, I put like 50 grand here over the last two months. Like, nah. Um, but in, gambling kids is bad in any form. Only take what you're willing to lose. Don't be a dick about it. Um, it's not recommended. <laughs> well, yeah, it is addicting because it's fun, kids. <laughs> in a bad way. Only if you're of legal age, don't do it online. It's even worse. And now we're demonetized. Do no, <laughs> <laughs> no I, I don't not monetized anyway. It's crazy. Um, I got to get the subscribers up, man. I, I just don't want to put Google ads money into this. As like, where, where, where is your subscriber at right now? I think we're at like 106 or something. I don't, I don't pay attention to the analytics except for when like my political little shorts go through the roof and I'm like, oh shit, 60,000, 70,000 views. Like people really hate. That's crazy. Your shorts are getting that many views and you only have 150 subscribers or however much. That's what I thought too. But they're, it's always the political ones. It makes me want to be very political. So it shifts the narrative. I really enjoy talking to people. There's something about. I shut that right down. Dude. (laughs) There's something about just like learning more about somebody and finding that they're not the, the, the thought you had before of them is different. I've known you a little bit, so it's a little easier, but man, it's, it's nuts. No. Yeah. I've never been to jail. Um, well, no, that's not true. Yeah, I have actually, sorry. My memory's the worst, but it was only for a day. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it's something. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't even that man. It was fucking Walmart, dude. I swear to God, <laughs> I'll, go into, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go into this. I'll go into this quickly. So I was at Walmart at the time I was taking Adderall. Um, so I was at Walmart filling up my subscription or prescription. And uh, they were like, oh, it's going to be 30 minutes. So I'm like, cool. I'll just shop around, da, da, da. So I'm like at Walmart shopping and I, I grab a Bluetooth headset and I'm sitting at like the pharmacy and I open it up and I'm like, I go up to the pharmacist and I'm like, hey, I'm going to go smoke a cigarette. Can I pay for this now? She's like, just pay for it whenever you're done, right? Or whenever you're come thing, just pay for it at that time. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So I walk out and as soon as I walk out, I have this, I I'm just going to go on YouTube. I have this um, lesbian that is bigger than me tackle me. And at this point I am livid because I just talked to somebody who was like, do I need to pay for this first or what? And there, and it, but I was screaming things that should not have been screaming. <laughs> so by, by the time I got back into their room or whatever, they go, um, the cops show up. And as soon as I saw the cop, I, cops, I immediately calmed down. I went, yes, sir. No, sir. I like right from you, stupid bot to, to yes, sir. No, sir. What and was the um, year? so I'm like, uh, this was shit. Um, I want to say eight, nine years ago. Okay. So if you, I have to look it up. I have a beautiful mugshot, which on Google, you can't find. <laughs> you can't find the mugshot. But on DuckDuckGo, one of the first thing to pop up. But anyway, um, so. The cops get there. I'm like, all right, man, um, you know, this is all misunderstanding. They're like, we don't even want to hear you're going to jail. I'm like, well, all right then. Okay. I'm going to jail. And then I did in court because you know, that it was just, I mean, the, the pharmacist had my ID. That's what pissed me off so much. I'm like, I clearly wasn't leaving. I was just going to smoke a cigarette. Like the cigarette was in my hand and everything. I was literally just going right there. 
And I, that's why I was so mad. I was like, if you would have just fucking heard me out before tackling me or been like, excuse me, sir, are you going to pay for that? I'd be like, actually, I, I can pay for it if you'd like, but I just talked to her, you know, gone on the whole story, but she decided to tackle me. And I was really upset by that. And uh, so in court, I, I paid for a lawyer. And at this time, I was still working for Geek Man. This was way before Geek Boy. And um, so I, I, the lawyer was like four grand, which I did not have. So it was like I had to pay and, and you know, in sections. And I missed like three or four payments, not in a row, but just like by the time I like was late on the fourth payment, the lawyer for was context, like four grand nine years ago is like 30 grand now. So, yeah, that's a lot of money. So I was at the time I, I missed a couple of payments. He was like, yeah, you got to find somebody else to represent you. So like when I actually went up in the court, I was just like, no, con no contest, you know, do the intervention program. Just, I want this to be out of my life. I want to forget about it. And my, my employers at the time were super worried about it. They're like, you could go to jail for this. I'm like, this is a misdemeanor theft charge. Nobody's going to jail. The most that's going to happen is I'm going to get fined, have to pay some restitution. That, that's it. Um, but no, I'm it was, it was a really, it was a really shitty point in my life. I was not I was not, and it wasn't even about the theft. It was about my mouth. If I would have just shut, kept my mouth shut and, and not started screaming, I probably wouldn't even gone to jail. They probably wouldn't have filed charges. We could have just like worked this out like adults, but I was so, I was in a different place back then. I'll just put it that way. Like, and I wish I would have thought about it. And like now, I mean, it's, it's real hard to get my anger or my temper up there. Like you would have to be oh, really, I mean, like James just went live the other day. And he starts saying, he's like, oh, there's only like three people in the group I like, Dustin, Matt, and JP. And uh, but Dustin, he's a faggot and this and that. And yeah. And I'm sitting there <laughs> listening to the live. And I'm like, because I, because of Dustina, my sister, right? And I'm mm -hmm. sitting there listening to the live. I'm like, dude, put me in this live. Put me in this live. Like, you're not going to sit here and come, like for five minutes, he was just ragging on me. I'm like, you're not. And CPRST. And people are like, put him on the live, put him on the live. And James is like, Oh, he doesn't want to go on the live with me. I'll tear his ass up. I'm like, put me on the live, bro. Put me on the live. And then we go on the live and he's actually respectable. It's like a hundred percent change. I'm like, oh, what happened? You know what I mean? I, I really but, think he is just a big teddy bear that likes to act like he is the Chucky play doll. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I'm your best friend till the end. <laughs> and then he's just like, give a hug. You know, he's a dad. I you wanted know? to meet him <laughs> in San Antonio. But I know right? but he, he, he told me, he said, if you come to my shop, I'm punching you in the face. And I'm like, well, it's not worth the risk. So yeah. I, I, I don't then own the shop. See, I, I love the only benefit about California is if you are owed something, you will get it. You know what I mean? California courts are good about restitution serving. They'll take everything out of your house. If your grandmother owned it or you own it and they'll sell it off for parts. I get yeah. 12 times a year to sue somebody. Don't always take 12, but there's people who owe me money for things. And uh, if I didn't get robbed, man, my life, I would never have known these things. It's how did it feel to be the only person that ended up winning the micro soldering championship? I didn't see that till last night. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. It was disappointing. And because for one, I shouldn't have won. The signup was at 930. Okay. And I got in Wednesday night and I decided to stay up till four in the morning, getting drunk with people I'd never met before because it was having a good time. So I, did. I didn't roll up into the expo until like 1030. And even then I, the micro soldering competition was not the first thing I did. Like Nate Miner and I, we, I mean, we just kind of walked around, ate lunch. And then while we we're eating lunch, he was like, so you're going to do the micro soldering competition. I was like, 
honestly, I haven't decided yet. I want to see who signs up, da, da, da. And they was like, well, sign up was at 9.30, so it looks like you missed it. And I'm like, oh, shit. So I went to Jessa, who's putting on the competition. And um, Jessa goes, you can't compete. It wouldn't be fair to everybody else because I've already had a few people ask me after the sign up to compete, and I've told them no. And I was like, well, damn, that sucks. And I was like, well, let me take the test. There was a written test first. That was the sign up at 9.30 was a written test. And she said nobody had scored 100% on it. So I'm like, okay, let me, that's, I always never back away from a challenge, right? So I'm like, give me the test. I look at the test. I go through all the questions and I give it back to Justin. I'm like, Justin, if I got 100% on this test, you have to let me compete. And she was like, mm, yeah, she didn't really say anything. So I'm, she's grading it and I got 100%. Um, so I, at that point, I'm like, Jesse, you've got to let me compete. you got to let me compete. And she was like, okay, you got to find an iPhone 7 because the challenge was tr reballing TriStar, right? So she was like, you have to find an iPhone 7 and uh, you have to get Nicole's permission. So I'm running around the expo, like my head cut off, like asking all these vendors, like, do you happen to have an iPhone 7 laying around? I know that's a 10-year-old phone, but maybe. Um, and they were, uh, uh, luckily I found one from Axiom Armor. Here's your shout out, Mark, right here. Um, <laughs> Mark, yeah. Protection pros only a little better. <laughs> yeah. Well, Axiom's got a whole different, everyone always fights them. It's a different niche, right? You got vinyl and you got glass basically, but it's it, Axiom armor to me is more like that glass shield that gives a little more rigidity to the outdoorsy type. The vinyl is for the customer who needs the everyday run and gun, nothing outdoorsy, the business model, you know, sleek and seductive. So shout yeah. out Mark. Um, <laughs> so, so I go to Mark. Mark actually had one. And uh, he was like, yeah, you can use this non-functional phone anyway. I'm like, I don't care as long as it charges because that's the challenge. Don't even have to turn on. doesn't matter. Um, so I take it back to Jess and I talked to Nicole. And Nicole's like, yeah, I don't care if you compete. I wanted you to compete. I'm like, perfect. So I go back to Jessa. And Jess at this point just looks annoyed because she was. I think she was expecting Nicole to say no. Um, so she was like, all right, you can compete. And then I'm like, cool. I'm in the competition, da, da, da. And then uh, Chris A.D., he's a buddy of mine, he was like, oh, you're in the competition? Well, definitely that I'm going to be in the competition. And I'm like, that ain't happening. You don't even know what I just had to do to get in this competition. Like, you ain't getting in. And then somebody he was with was like, no, he's going to get in. And I'm like, I'll bet you 100 bucks. It doesn't happen. So she goes up to Jessa and just, like, tortures Jessa to the point where Jessa tells Nicole, Dustin can't compete. We can't say I can't say yes to him and no to uh, somebody else. So Dustin's not competing anymore. So I wasn't even going to compete. And Nicole came up to me. I was like, that, that's fine. I really, it was just for fun for me. Um, I didn't, I don't really care that much, but uh, thanks for trying, essentially. And so um, during the competition, actually, somebody just didn't show up. Uh, Richard Spears, he said he didn't want to do it anymore. So he didn't show up. Thank you, Richard, for allowing me to compete. Um, so by that, by default, I was in, in the competition. The but to answer your initial question, um, did I, what did I, how did I feel about it? I, I was disappointed um, because not to hate on anybody who's in the competition, but they weren't, it was not the only thing they did every day, right? So we were talking about like 13, 14 minute TriStar changes. And, um, you know, it, it would have been better in my mind if there was like 30 people who knew how to microsoft it really well that on the average do a two to three minute try start because that's really how long it takes exactly. right just two to three minutes it's such a quick job dude i did it in six minutes and like 40 seconds and i don't know how i did it because my hand was like this the entire i was up on that stage and it's a and it's not only that's a boxing ring which is you know it's bouncy and yeah. jess is up there like going back and forth like what are you t asking us to tell us jokes She's also making fun of me. She was like, oh, you put a camera in Dustin's face and he can't stop shitting his pants or something stupid like that. 
So I'm just over here shaking my hand and I, I, I do it in like six minutes, 40 seconds. I don't even test it. I'm just like, all right, I'm done. Because that was what you had the opportunity to test it and then redo it. And which I thought some people did. And I'm like, it doesn't matter because by the, even if you test it and it doesn't work, what are you going to do? Pull the chip off and do it again. You just doubled your time. Like this yeah. is a, a thing about speed, right? So it's like, I, if I did it and failed, whatever, I don't care. I, I'm not going to pull it back off and go through all this again. So it just done. I was done. And of course, Jessa reads them from like the slowest to the fastest. So um, like half of them didn't work. And the runner up to me was six minutes and 50 seconds, but it didn't work. Right. So um, then the next runner up that actually worked was like eight and a half minutes or something like that. Um, but I was disappointed. I felt like it wasn't fair because it wasn't like mainly B2B micro soldering people. Like if Jesse was there, Chris AD was able to compete, real which Chris did go on the stage after. He did a he did the tri star. I'm gonna make funny of Chris. He did the tri star um in a longer amount of time than I did, and it still didn't work. So he was <laughs> so it was like, all right, because he was like, Oh, I'm gonna I got this, I got this. So it's funny. Get your like, mm. uh, it was five hundred. And and I did and I split it with the runner up because like I said, I didn't think it was fair. So I just kinda went up to him. I was like, here's the two fifty. Um, you know, good game. And you got but, a pretty uh, expensive belt. And I saw that you were, you were no, the that I even heavy. knew that you won was I saw your post with repair babe and I couldn't find a video from Nicole or Jessa about the actual event, or I didn't see it because it wasn't live streamed. Um, it wasn't. Yeah. I was like, why? That was such a missed opportunity. That was kind of what I was thinking. I'm not sure why they didn't. I don't know if they're going to post the video later, um, but it was definitely a missed opportunity, but it was also like, in the middle of the competition, you know, both microscopes, it was head to head. Everybody went head to head from like the people who had the slow or scored the worst on the test to the people that like did the best on the test. Those were the people that were going head to head, yeah. right? And uh, halfway through the competition, somebody needed to uh, do a demo for soldering and then took one of the cameras for the scope. And I'm like, how in the middle of a competition are you just going to take one of the scope cameras? I, I mean, now I, nobody can see what this guy over here is doing. Everybody's just watching this guy which was irritating. I, you could see Jessa was not happy about it. Like she was like, somebody just took, and then they didn't even, it was like brand new cameras Jessa bought for the competition. They didn't even bring the power cable back. Yeah, she, she wasn't very happy with it, but, uh, but no, it was, I mean, it was a lot of fun, but it was, I wish it was more difficult. Like I shouldn't have won because my hands were faking and I did it in six minutes and 40 seconds. Like I was, un, if everybody did it in under five minutes, that would have been a great competition. It's one of those things when I heard the time, I was like, what the hell happened? Because even me, I am not an expert at soldering, but a seven tri-star in under 10 minutes is not a crazy thing. It's, it's mostly mm -hmm. what we do. That's most of my techs who are not micro-soldering techs still do tri-stars. And yeah. <laughs> even if you didn't paste it, you could paste it by your thumb. Heat, ball, done, you know? Yeah. Two minutes if you had bored out. Um, so I was expecting them to just give you boards and like power DC, you know, great test it that way. But uh, yeah, live stream. It, so it's all up to imagination. Well, shit. I, I hope that because they there was cameras everywhere. I mean, they they were definitely recording it. So it was it's disappointing Jessa, to hear that they, they have the opportunity. They have a big platform, and and I know. Yeah. Jessa seems to me like she's probably getting more fed up with the repair side of things and like really getting into the pushing the movement and lobbying. You know, she might be done with the uh, the fun and games of it all because it's getting frustrating for some of the people who are making waves in the in the legal side of repair. Um, yeah, 
But Nicole's coming up and being more of a trainer and doing the cell biotics thing is pretty cool. Um, I'm surprised with all the funding they have that it wasn't out the same day. That's just crazy to me. Like, yeah, I? and I don't know if they're planning on it even. You know, I mean, the, 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 I remember somebody asked if we're live streaming this, and Nicole just said, no, we're not. It's for you know people there only. And, I'm, and I remember thinking, I'm like, well, that kind of sucks, you know? But yeah. uh, it's whatever. And then, you know, people are saying, oh, it's only a TriStar Reball. And, you know, that's kind of what my thought was when I heard the competition. Like, it was such an easy job. But Justin made a very good point where what else would have been fair? If you have a diagnostic type of thing, then you see – if it's a different diagnostic or if it's a different problem, you're going to have people saying, oh, that wasn't fair. This person got this and this person got this, right? And then if you did the same problem, everybody saw the previous people solved it. So it was like how you can't really do diagnostics. So that's out. And what job could you do that just shows skill? And I think they did the right one. It was an iPhone 7. And you know how half the TriStars underneath the shield, yeah. right? So I think they did probably pick the most difficult of the TriStars to do. Um, where And you saw people were cutting shields. I mean, people were wicking pads. And I'm like, you guys, this is this is a competition. You need to be able to like, I mean, they were adding flux before they removed the chip. And I'm like, you don't have to do that. That's an extra step. Like just, and you saw me do I just grab the chip, did the, Done. did the drop method and held that iron there or to held the hot air there until that bitch dropped and then reballed it and threw it right back on. But the, the, what took the longest time was one, the reball because everybody was using 138 paste. And I'm like, I do not work with 138. In my mind, that was cheating. Like you had the option to use 183 or 138. 138 is a lower melting point. So automatically your placement's going to be quicker. But also, it's but I it. actually, oh. It, it's very messy if you overheat that it will jump yeah. connect not work yeah exactly and then so i opened up the 183 so it was fresh paste and just so like as i didn't you know i didn't dry the paste in paper towel and she was like oh i would have dried the paste and i'm like yeah you also would have lost the competition so <laughs> <laughs> i was like i put i put that paste on there wet and i actually one of the balls didn't form and, and like it, it, i don't know where the hell the ball went but i've done something that i've never done before i just added paste i didn't even clean the pad just added another thing of paste and he didn't it worked perfect and uh like you know the probably the longest that took me like four minutes out of the entire time was trying to place that chip with my hands going like this oh, right? i was i was sitting there like struggling to 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 get my my chip in a position where i could just add heat and let surface tension take it and at one point i was just like you know what just add the heat. Like I'm taking too much time trying to place this. I'm not going to be able to place it any better because every time I touch it, I make it worse. So I just added heat, called it done and walked away. I didn't even stay in the arena. I just like walked out. It was like, like uh, I guess Hulk Hogan or somebody after they do the championship. I see you as a, a mix of like Adam Sandler and Lewis Rossman. You know what I mean? Wow, that means a lot. Dude, yeah, you that, got the comedy. Awesome. Thank you. You, you, you just got to put out the content. You know what I mean? You yeah. definitely got it. Got to find that that median. You know, start working five hours instead of six hours a day. Um, yeah, you know, I found a passion in doing this. I just the talking, getting my opinion out there. It's easier than yelling at my kids. You know. And honestly, this is. I think you're. You're like. If there was somebody going to do this, I think you would be one of the ones that I chose. And essentially, because you're known. But you're not so known, and also you're not biased in any way. Right. Oh, yeah. So it, it's not. It's not like you're like. I don't even know how to really go into more detail about that with it's just it's going to be very fair. You know what? Uh, um, I can't remember his name. The art of repair guy. Now I'm blanking on his name right now. Um, Justin, Justin Ashford. Yes, Justin Ashford. Yes. Um, 
he had he was telling me he was like and he i, I gotta give a shout out to him he actually helped me set up my um obs and make it look good and all that kind of gave me great tips to being a youtuber and uh but he told me he's like once you hit a thousand man it just it goes up from there and he's not wrong like i rarely make content i'm over a thousand i was i got to a thousand back when i was really pushing youtube videos and um at the time like i got to the, the thousand and i I don't know what happened. I just kind of stopped making videos. Like now I may maybe make one six every six months if, if you're lucky. Um, but my subscriber just it's it continues to build without even doing anything. Now, if I was constantly making videos every single day, I'd be like Jesse. And it, it got to a point where I had more subscribers than Jesse at one point because it's a kind of a joke between us, like who's gonna have more subscribers? And now he is so far out of reach. Like it's not even now it's not even a funny joke because but of who's gonna have more subscribers because he's clearly won. It's not only the amount of subscribers you have, it's your view time. And also if your subscribers watch your videos versus your non-subscribers that watch your videos. So it like it it kind of calculates all of it. That's why when I was first starting out, I had family members be like, send me your YouTube, I'll subscribe. I'm like, no, no. Don't subscribe to my channel unless you're gonna watch my videos. Like, don't just be like, I'm a family member, I love Dustin, I'm gonna subscribe. I don't want that shit. Nope. I want technicians, people who are going to like see, oh, Dustin made a new video. Let's go watch it. Right. That's the subscribers I want because that's what helps the YouTube algorithm. Right. So, yeah. and they were like, oh, okay, fine. They felt like probably I didn't love them as much. But I'm like, oh, I, I still love you. It's just, you know, I didn't I even tell family about this for seven months because I was doing like personal things, venting about everything. And I was like, dude, if I told them about it, then it'd be nothing but drama. And of course, the moment they found out about it, it was drama. Cause I was like, oh, you know, my mother at a birthday party said this and like, oh shit, it was hell broke loose. So I was like, yeah, that's why I didn't share it on Facebook or have anybody talk about it. And uh, I, I think that was beneficial. It got my confidence up to like speaking to a camera consistently, um, not saying the wrong things. I'm trying to cut back the cursing because boy military people you understand yeah just it's second nature especially with my Mm -hmm. kids i'm like i'm so good around that's the worst with me yeah with kids (laughs) i I, you know and i'm i'm constantly like oh i'm so sorry i I didn't mean it and then say another bad word five seconds later i'm like i cannot be around kids because i do have a plenty mouth and i think youtube has helped with that and making the cprst news has helped with that because you know facebook would kick you off facebook for almost anything these days So it's like, I'm trying to be real professional and funny at the same time. So I, I, try, I think the, the videos have definitely helped with that. Yeah, no, I'm excited for you, man. The CPRSD news is so great. It's especially the Destina shit, but like the, the way that you cut like to and from some of those like green screen moments, that's your bread and butter. Stick to that where it's just like, and back to the newsroom and back to, you know, that shit is classic like SNL stuff. It's great. I love it. All right, I'll, tell you, I'll actually have to do that. I got my screen screen in my spare bedroom now because I, it was like taking up room in my office and I never use like, you notice the news now, it, it went from like very basic to like me getting excited about it, buying a green screen, buying a mic and all of this stuff until like, ah, I'm just gonna, I got 10 minutes to put this together. I'm gonna do it real quick. I, I've spent, I, I will say I've spent that entire insurance break from November on the last year's insurance on this entire studio and cameras and i can't stop buying nifty little shit so i bought uh the roadmaster video pro 2 wireless mics the lavaliers well they don't mm-hmm. come with the actual lavalier attachments so i had to buy those but i got the zgr 30 charging case which you can carry around all the lavalier mics for another hundred dollars i'm just like shit accessories they're, they're gonna bankrupt me 
It's horrible. Yeah, yeah. See, that the thing is, is you committed to it. You know, yeah. and I at one point I committed to not the news, but to YouTube videos, and it's just, you know, I don't know if you've seen on my profile, but I do these um, breakdowns of repairs, and yeah. uh, and I so I'll take a picture and and I go in depth on how I do the repair, and people are like, we love these. You need to do videos, and I'm like, you guys don't realize these pictures take me 20 minutes to do. A video will take me an hour, hour and a half, two hours. It's taking a 10 minute repair into an hour, hour and a half repair because I stop and I explain this is why I'm doing this. This is what makes this. This is why this makes sense. And go into that. And I'm like, once you get to a point in your queue where you were working from start to the the end of the day, and you still have more for tomorrow, that's where I struggle with. Okay, now find the time to make videos. Where I know Jesse's queue is probably like 30 times larger than mine, but he still finds the time. I don't think that man sleeps. He selects his carefully. You know, some things he won't take, some things he takes. He's He's got to do that, especially for the content. There's no way that man is there 12 to 11.59 the next day. Like, oh, shit, racking his head on 60 items. He's either selectively picking it and going, okay, this is the cream of the crop. This is the business that will make me the most, do the most for my brand. He's got to delegate it like that, especially. I don't think so. I think he takes pretty much if you if you message him, he will take it. I, I don't think like I'm selective with it. And I actually ask people like what's going on? Have you worked on it before? Da da da. I don't think he does. And I but I and the reason I think say that is because there's been times where I've had an all nighter and I'll be up to like four or five in the morning. And I know he's in uh uh Vegas. Uh, Las Vegas. So it's not that much of a time difference, but then his, his he's still active talking in the private chats that were, and it's like, Jesse, when do you sleep, brother? He's got two like, dogs, he, a wife and a new house. There's no way he's got that much time. I, I don't know how he does it, man. I really don't. I'm going to have to go like sit next to him and just be like, okay, all right, this is, this is how, but you know, it's also at the same time, I think it's because he's so good where if he, uh, he literally can just run through these devices. You know what like I mean? That, Where it's it just, just irk me that they're just a natural at something and then they make it look so easy, you know? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, at one point it was like him and I were, there was a time where him and I were very equivalent on YouTube subscribers. And that's what made the joke of uh, like, who's going to have more funny. Mm-hmm. But, and, and so we we're there at the time where he was discussing, like talking about going live and I was nervous about it. Now it's a different animal. And now look at him, he goes live all the damn time. I mean, it, it, it is no, no, worries about performing live on a camera and I, I don't know and i don't want to speak to on him but i think it's because he does the pro fixer course where every week he's got several live calls with all of these students and i'm like yeah doing that every week that that must help you know i, but, I remember uh, when he started and all his stuttering and and he had just don't take it personally he was horrible doing live it was almost what's that guy the t- 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 today junior you know like it, it, yeah that's it was Adam Sandler, actually yeah <laughs> um that's exactly and uh but man now he's a natural but it's all that thing where you build confidence like i said i didn't share this for so long because i would skip or i would hold my breath and didn't know how to uh put the gain correctly so you would hear you know every breath every little tick or mouth and i was so worried about it it was crazy now well my, my main worry was that messing up on camera like doing a video and then having hundreds of people be like you're an idiot because you know how cprst is they're pretty oh, brutal yeah. like they are so brutal over there so it, it, you know that was my main worry is like i'm gonna do these videos everybody's gonna hate me and then it's just like 
what builds my confidence, I think, is the comments that you get on the YouTube videos where it's like, oh, you're great. You're natural. We want, we want to see more content. And you don't get any negative. And it's like that right there builds your content. I mean, yeah, occasionally you get a thumbs down, which should not be anonymous, by the way. Like if you're thumbs down somebody's video, I want to know who you are. And I want to know why you're not happy. At least thumbs down and leave a comment and tell me why. Like, you know, and that, and that bothers Jesse too. You always see he posts on Facebook. He's like, somebody left oh, me a yeah, mean right. comment or just, yeah. or just does me a thumbs down. And I'm like, yeah, man, that's fuck those people or F those people, you know, like, at least tell me why you're unhappy with my video. I think it's engagement for the algorithm. So like, even if they're thumbsing down, what is it? The most disliked video still became a trillion dollar video or a billion dollar video in profit or views because it was yeah. the most um, disliked video, the baby by Justin Bieber. The only reason yeah. is because like 10,000 people hated it and they shared it 10,000 times. So like, haters gonna hate i say that to jesse all the time yeah like, <laughs> it's like you got you just gotta love it man it's for the algorithm man. exactly uh everybody hit the like hit the subscribe dustin we appreciate you having here hit the share for dustin if you're able to see this had a great time uh, yeah us as well we appreciate it and we'll see you next time